Welcome back to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. We're back. I'm Stephen Conway. He's Jeremy Feinstone, as usual. Uh, after a week off, we're back to talk about World Tag League 2023, a ridiculously busy schedule of shows. Jeremy, we are just past the halfway point. Each team has wrestled four of their seven tournament matches. Mm-hmm. What are your overall impressions so far of uh, World Tag League 2023? And did you have a good holiday, more importantly than that? I had a fantastic holiday. Thank you. Uh, I spent it with my lovely wife and our two dogs at home. Uh, a, a light white meat meal with plenty of signs uh, provided by my wife. And I provided the food, shopped for it, and then did the dishes. A fine, a fine team up there. And then we saw the movie Wish and... Uh, mm-hmm. Watched the Niners and did Christmassy stuff. I don't know. It was good times. How about you? It was fine. I went back and visited my family up uh, north there, up in the cold. It snowed a little bit on Sunday, which we don't get too much of here in Austin, certainly not in uh, November. But uh, it it was uh, a nice trip. Uh, You know, a little tricky. My stepfather passed away this past year. So this is like the first like family holiday without him and stuff like that. So there were, there were a lot of feels and things, but uh, we, uh, we were dealing with that on, 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 on our family and familial loss. And it definitely had a, had a sense of it. If we're getting older and we're navigating uh, losses in our family and, you know, the kids becoming adults and adults becoming older. Right. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, but that was nice overall. I still managed to see my uh, sister and my nephews and friends and and my aunt and uncle and all that kind of stuff. So there, there was a lot of good in there as well. So nice. and I ate a lot of boy, did I eat a lot of good food, too. So uh, we did all the usual traditional <laughs> Thanksgiving stuff. And uh, I, I, might, actually... I might do red meat. I might do red meat in the main course for Thanksgiving next year. The nice. year where I was like, mm, maybe I switch it up like. Yeah, I got no, I got nobody that's really like clamoring for the turkey. So, well, well usually I'm in charge of the dressing. That's oh. that's usually my gig. But we flew in on Thanksgiving Day uh, just because of the way things worked out. So my nephew took over that job, and apparently he's uh, just as good at it as I am. So I think I may have uh, been pipped out of a gig. You, now. you, so uh, you found else. the apprentice, and the apprentice has soon become the master. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, this kid is just incredible at it. So uh, that that, I, that might be the end of me uh, doing that part of it. But we'll there see about are, it next year. There are themes of apprentices and masters in this world tag league, and that's to the yes. second part of your question. What do I think about this World Tag League? Stephen Conway, if I told you I thought this World Tag League was just okay, what would you think about that? I think that's about right on. I mean, we have not seen a ton of great... We've seen a lot of good matches. We have not seen a lot of bad matches. Not a lot of them. There have been a couple. But there have been good matches. There haven't been a whole lot of great matches. So There's a lot of cruise control going on. There's a lot of story. But there's Mm -hmm. not a whole lot of, like substance if that's it there there are probably a couple of matches coming that are going to blow us away but they haven't really happened yet we have some folks uh, with us here live colin is there dunstan williams is there glad to see both of you guys joining us here once again after our week off yeah a week off and boy the shows start to pile up so let's get into how world tag league has developed Normally, we like to roll through these cards match by match. I'm not going to do that. There's just too many of them, and it would all kind of jumble together. What we're going to do is look at each block and work our way down the leaderboard. We're going to start with the teams that are leading each block, look at their journey throughout this tournament over the last two weeks, and see where they might be headed in a little bit. And Dunson says Tag League has had some very strong matches, but no match of the year contenders. And I think that's probably fair. No, no. 
No. Yeah, no, not not close on match of the year contenders, but there have been some uh, very good matches. It, it's true. It just hasn't quite gotten to that great. Well, we're in a uh, year. Period. We are frankly in a year where just a good match doesn't even like tip the tip. The, Will Osprey had ten match of the year like candidates himself, mm -hmm. and then we're talking about the rest of the New Japan roster that have also been doing things like I can't honestly say that any of these matches have has done much to make me happy in the moment, but leave me with like a popcorn fluff feeling. Nothing much after, uh, after it's said and done. Like you move on and you're just like, okay, on to the next thing. It's just a carousel. We have been getting a lot of story though. And we're going to get into those stories. A lot of these teams have had interesting drama surrounding them. And we will go into those. Venkin is here and so is Brad. Good. Hey, man, I'm glad to see you, all of you guys. Glad Party time. Absolutely. So, We'll start with block A. And as right. we go into block A, we're going to take a look at this uh, this group. And this is the one that uh, had a, a lot of interesting teams in it. This is the one with more experienced teams. We've got uh, a block, block B, that has Bishamon and then a whole bunch of teams that have not been in World Tag League before. We have some veteran presence in World Tag League A block. And we'll get into those. So, uh, we have the block there up on uh, the screen for the, the graphic. At the end of uh, the fourth night, as we move on, the top two teams after four night nights are Ren Narita and Shota Umino and TMDK, hmm. which is pretty much what we thought was going to happen, right, Jeremy? These were the mm -hmm. two teams we looked at in this block, and when you look at the schedule, when you look at who they're starting with, who they're finishing with, these are two teams we thought would be in this position. They are leading it and seem to be on some sort of a collision course with a few matches to go. So do you want to you wanna start with Narita and Shota? Let's do that. All right. So Ren Narita and Shota Umino. These two have a video up. I don't know if you've seen it, Jeremy, on NJPW World. That's also on the YouTube page, and it is uh, subtitled for the folks there on YouTube pretty well. These guys have moved from their rivalry in that best of seven trios match series to a full-on bromance. I don't know if you've seen this. This thing is they're having drinks next to a fire. They're talking about whether one would make a good husband or not. I'm not joking about this. This is this conversation that they're having on YouTube right now. And these guys are officially crossed over into being just great friends for the moment. The, uh, and the true chachos. <laughs> they really are. And they have gelled together well. They're getting along perfectly well. There's none of the dissension. There's none of the annoyance that they did with Desperado and Watto. And there's none of the hatred that they're doing with Suzuki and Nagata. So these two are getting along great. And they opened up uh, for on Corican Hall on night one with a, a victory over the United Empire, Great Okan and Hanare. That was a match that got real good toward the end. Uh, you know, it got it took a little while to get going. But in the end, Umino hit a blaze blade and a death rider on Great Okan to open their tournament with a victory. From there, they moved on to Yokohama, and uh, they lost to the War Dogs there. Uh, Umino was attacked during his entrance. <laughs> they just started assaulting him in the aisle, and Ren Narita had to go chasing after uh, the War Dogs. And that was in the Yokohama Budokan there. To be fair, it, that's what you should be doing when you're the war dogs. Like, they should be exposing the vulnerabilities that they know that are there. And that's what they did. And uh, eventually Narita got up there and they brawled throughout the crowd. 
And uh, that one, just to show you here, uh, Jeremy, just how seriously they're being taken, they had the War Dogs use a chair shot in here in order with the referee's back turn, then a pile driver uh, to get the victory. So even when they lose, it's uh, by uh, both uh, hook and crook, apparently. Uh, that's how it's got to be. They ended up beating the Gates of Agony, the Ring of Honor uh, participants in uh, Fujisawa. That put them back on the winning track. And then it was very interesting uh, to, uh, at the end there, they defeated Kiyomiya and Oiwa, Oiwa in Nagoya to go three up and one down. That was this a really great match. That was a very good match. That was one of the better matches of the tournament, Jeremy. And I also thought it was interesting, some of the backstage comments where Narita was goading Oiwa a little bit, just saying, you haven't progressed at all since you went over there to <laughs> Noah. You're just the same guy, you know, and uh to be saying that to those two. <laughs> Oiwa gave him a good tussle, though, didn't he? That was a really yeah. good match. And uh, in the end, though, they did manage to get the win right there. So Narita and Umino, they're best of friends. They're getting along great. They're three and one. Yeah. Uh, what team do you want to get to next, my friend? Well, let's get to a couple of comments here, too, because our, our folks are ch chiming in on this. Dunstan says this match was so damn good. All four guys did their thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Gabe has been uh, fabulous. He said his uh, post-match comments were gold. Yeah, Kid's been strong on the mic. Kid has a lot going on, and we're going to talk about him here. He's got – he's attacked Eddie Kingston to go after the strong title eventually. He has the big match coming up at Crystal Palace with Will Ospreay on the 16th uh, over there in Rev Pro. And we'll get to what happened with him a little bit later, but it could be a big match with Kiyomiya coming up soon. I texted you, Jeremy, and we again, we, we try not to talk too much off the air so that it stays fresh here, but we do sure. message each other and things. And one of the things I said is Alex Coughlin needs to hold tight because there's a rocket <laughs> attached to, to, to Kid. You, uh, that was the be first behind. thing that you let me know of your observations, like Gabe Kib, Gabe Kib, Gabe Kib. Huge spotlight arrows on this guy. Yeah. Hold on tight, buddy. <laughs> yeah, just hang on, Coglin. Don't get yourself Marty Jannetty now. And he's too talented for that because Coglin's really good. And I'm really entertained by Coglin too, but boy, they seem to really like uh, Kid a lot. Okay. And uh, Sam is here from Power Bombshells. Excellent. Glad to see you there, Sam. Uh, she says that she hasn't been watching World Tag League, but I've seen things here and there. Uh, it's like the Gates of Agony. Oh, we're going to get to the Gates of Agony. <laughs> Been a rough tournament for Gates of Agony there. Oh, we're but, getting to that. Yeah, and uh, Dunstan uh, says this. Different kind of torture, if we will see. <laughs> he said this match with Cato made me forget he's a part of Noah. Well, you know he's, um, you know it it does feel like he's starting to become more and more of a New Japan wrestler, and I mean that in a, in a good way. He he seems to be fitting in quite nicely. Mm -hmm. I, I have no idea what his contract status is with Noah, but if he wants to come over afterwards, I wouldn't complain. Everybody benefits by having Kiyomiya in a bigger arena so that when he comes back to Noah, he is a bigger star. But you can't just put him in there and have him start winning. You have to have him earn it. So there's a some kind of hero's journey. Everybody so is complaining that Kiyomiya is just not winning and not looking strong across Japan. It's like they're losing sight of a bigger picture here. So uh that's that's what I Let's look at the other team now that it was three and one in the A block, and that is the Mighty Don't Kneel, Mikey Nichols and Shane Haste. No surprise here that these guys are doing well. They have continued the narrative that this is the best team uh, that has never won the IWGP titles. So uh, this one began with a solid win in Corican Hall against the Gates of Agony. They uh, won that one clean. 
And then they moved on to Yokohama, uh, where they overcame a lot of house of torture interference. Uh, they had the whole thing with the ref bump and Dick Togo and show in there and things, but they ended up hitting a super tank buster on Ujiro where the, the, I believe it's a uh, Nichols jumped off the top and splattered uh, Ujiro there. Then instead of just the usual tank buster, they were extra pissed and gave him a little bit of extra sauce on it. Gave a little uh, dank on that one. They did. Yeah. So, but, but again, the story being that they overcame all of that interference to look strong. And then uh, they beat the United empire in the main event of Fujisawa. And uh, that was a very good match. So there, at this point, they were uh, three and oh, six uh, points. And that was a really good match, by the way, the one uh, with Okan and Hanare and Fujisawa. That, that was a strong match. And then just in uh, Nagoya, the other day, they lost to Ishii and Yano uh, through Yano shenanigans, uh, basically. That was the whole thing where he, uh, you know, distracted the referee, got low blows and roll-ups and all that type of stuff. The standard kind of Yano thing. And uh, the Ishii stuff with TMDK was quite good. I enjoyed that part of the match. And overall, uh, aside from the thing that they do with Yano, where he can beat anybody on any night because he's so unorthodox, he does such weird stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They've been booked to look very strong. Three and one going yeah. down the stretch. So I think it was the TMDK versus the Evil and Yujiro match where the way that they – there wasn't anything in particular about the match itself – but their poise through the match and the way that they carried themselves and the way that they looked when they won, it was like, of course we overcame these odds. Not, mm -hmm. oh, we barely like got through it. And it was the first moment, I think, that I truly looked at them and said, okay, they can fill the void of being that team that like when Aussie Open left, like I had doubts about it. Like they couldn't quite mm -hmm. get to that level. Well, yeah, I don't know. Like, there was just something about, like, their connection to the audience that made okay. me, like, think that, like, they couldn't, they weren't quite there yet. But I felt like this was the match where it's like, okay, you sold me. Like, maybe they don't win this tournament, but in 2024, these guys should be winning the IWGP tag titles. I think that's where it's going. We're going to talk about why I feel that way in a little uh, while. But uh, Brad mentions that he still has to catch up on the four Japanese-only shows. Uh, again, we had some English commentary with Chris Charlton early on, and then Walker Stewart's going to do the rest in post. And uh, that they, they've had a little bit of trouble, as, as Chris described, mice in the machinery of getting some of those English commentaries up. But uh, he's been catching up on stardom and haven't had a chance to watch NW, NJPW yet. I'm not going to embarrass myself. I tell you how far behind on stardom I am right now. I'm working on it. I'm working on it, but we have six more shows next week to do on uh, new Japan. So I'm, I'm hoping to get caught up here pretty soon because all of their, they're careening toward the dream queendom. I got to catch up. You Thankfully, the yourself yet again. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, so yes. And, uh, and, and I'm probably, I'm okay, probably gonna... real quick before we get on to the next team. Okay. How do you feel about your uh, new Japan world experience so far? I, I like it so far. I, I do what like are you it. So using? Far. Uh, I'm using Apple TV. Okay. I'm using Apple TV too. I tremendously enjoy it on Apple TV. I also have it on a fire stick and I mm -hmm. absolutely hate it on a fire stick. Oh, okay. It is okay. very buggy. So I understand between like different streaming experiences that it's not quite up to par, but if anybody has an Apple TV or is thinking about what, device to use i highly recommend using the apple ecosystem for the new japan world it just works very very well on there 
Yeah, it does work pretty well for me on it. I'm pretty happy with it. And again, Chris mentioned on the air that they were working on getting all of the stuff that was on there before right. up on it again, and it'll be uh, it'll be coming. So, uh, yeah, so that that was uh, TMDK. Now let's take a look at the teams, the the glut of teams in Block A that are stuck on four points. And uh, before we do that, I mean, Sam says I haven't used World yet. I have Apple TV and Roku TV. Good to know. Yeah, Apple I would just TV stick with the Apple strong. TV. Yeah, I, I did. I use it on a Roku. I haven't used it on a Roku yet. We have one just, in the bedroom TV. Like, I'll back out of the show, and the app just freezes, and I have to actually like restart the whole Fire TV, and I'm just like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going. And so I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm all in on just using on the Apple TV. More mice in the machinery. There you Absolutely. Uh, what oh. team would you like in this glut of the middle of the pack? Well, I think the one that could end up having the most impact on the playoffs, so to speak, is the top two teams from each block move on is the War Dogs. So let's take a look okay. at what the War Dogs do. Okay, I got it. And all right. And uh, we'll take a look at the War Dogs. And as we get that, I used to have this, that issue with Fire Stick. Yes, yeah, so that's pretty... with a vengeance. All right. So hopefully that'll get cleared up. The War Dogs began with an interesting match. Now, they fought. Again, I say fought, not wrestled. <laughs> Kiyomiya and Oiwa at Kraken Hall in the first night. They just brawled all over the place. It was an exciting brawl. That was a pretty fun match. It ended, though, with all four guys on the outside, the referee counting 18, 19. Kiyomiya seems to be the only one that notices and dives in the ring at 19 to get a count-out victory and put the War Dogs behind early in the tournament. Interesting finish. I enjoyed it. and it Absolutely set- loved it. I cackled. Yeah, and it gave Oiwa a boost because you know Oiwa was the person we talked about that when they went when when that team wins, Kiyomiya is going to win. When that team loses, it's Oiwa that's going to take the fall, right? And uh, you know they didn't have to do really either right there. They just had him slip in. It was nice to see uh, Oiwa get a win early in this one. Uh, but after that, uh, the, the War Dogs defeated I mentioned Narita and Umino using that chair in Yokohama, so that got them back into it and uh, solidified themselves as the bastards of the tournament, uh, just as much as House of Torture. And then they beat Ishii and Yano in what was a pretty decent match in Fujisawa. Yano has been doing less clowning, uh, but uh, and the, the Ishii stuff's always fantastic because he's one of the best. So at this point, they are uh, two and one. And then in uh, a surprise here, they lost to Bishop Khan and to Oleona for their uh, to give uh, Gates of Agony their first win in the tournament. There was a lot of brawling outside, but it was very good once it got back into the ring. And it was a pedigree by Khan on uh, Kid that did the trick. I was so, like, a pedigree? Really? <laughs> War Dogs 2-2 two and two at this stage. But, Jeremy, looking at the schedule, I have a feeling this is going to be one of the teams that's going to have an effect on who moves on first and second in this uh, group. They are they're going to be in it to the wire, but to me, they looked like the team that needed to lose in funky and interesting ways because they have every intention of keeping them strong, but yeah. they don't necessarily want them to be potentially be the guys going forward. So getting screwed over by Kiyomiya and a count out at the beginning is something that they're going to remember way past this tournament. Kid and Kiyomiya went at it with each other back in, I think, the G1. So, mm-hmm. like, we're getting this. This is coming. We're this is coming back around. I'm all here for it. I like the story here. Gabe Kid is, is a beast. He's mm-hmm. an absolute beast in this tournament. He's one of the standouts. You're absolutely right when you were talking about him being one of those guys that, like, hold on tight, Coughlin. Either, like, 
ride the wave with him and then make sure you're ready to stand on your own because he's ready to stand now. And uh, that's, that's good for Gabe Kidd. He's, he's huge, too. He's Randy Orton huge. They have choices with him as well, uh, and that match, for that matter. Noah has a big match coming up on Wrestle Kingdom, uh, a show coming up on Wrestle Kingdom week. Kiyomiya and Kid could definitely be a part of that show. They could do it as part of a New Japan show. A lot of options, and in a lot of ways, they can make this work for him there with this uh, rivalry as well. And Kid just has singles matches going with everybody right now. So let's take a look at some of the uh, comments before we move on here. Colin just said that they really need to get the English section back on the updated site. Uh, he thinks it's a bit of a mess. I would love to see the English section come back. I would love to see some doggone close captioning on Shinichi Champion and some of these other shows that they have on there that we never we don't really get. But uh, hopefully that'll come along too. Uh, Dunstan mentions that Oiwa and Coglin would be a great never open weight match. Yes. Someday, yes. Yeah, someday, yes, I think. Uh, I do feel like they have singles runs in mind for Kid and Coughlin, which is why I don't think they're winning this tournament or maybe not even necessarily making the playoffs because I, I think they have other plans for these guys than being a tag team force full-time. Uh, so think, yeah, that I would be we're way probably getting Gabe Kidd versus uh, Eddie Kingston kind of day. That would be my my ballpark guess, if anything. And then Dunstan also mentioned, I'm going to say Gabe versus Kato could be a main event anywhere. Well, I think it could be a main event in a Japan. lot of places. In, yeah, in Japan it could be. Yeah, in, in a lot of places in Japan anyway. Maybe not all of them. I don't know about uh, I don't know about Tokyo and Osaka, but the rest of the joint, probably so. Yeah. It would be good. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Now, moving on from the War Dogs. We've talked about their journey. Let's see what Ishii and Yano are doing. Our folks, our friends at Chaos. Collection. I mentioned that these guys are uh, also two and two. Four points. Uh, they lost uh, with all those House of Torture shenanigans in Corican Hall. Uh, they used everything. There was uh, whiskey being spit. They hit Ishii with a wrench. Everything is evil on Yano, and they lost that one. So they started off in a hole. But they beat the Gates of Agony in Yokohama. Uh, again, I, I really like the stuff with Ishii and the Gates of Agony. That really works well. And if you think about what the Gates of Agony do and what Ishii does, hard to miss with that group. And, uh, of course, that was uh, Yano with uh, the low blow and the trickery. Uh, they did lose to the War Dogs in Fujisawa. War Dogs a little bit too much for them there. And then they actually beat uh, TMDK there in Nagoya, as we mentioned, uh, with uh, the Yano shenanigans. So an interesting run. You know, you, you beat the Gates of Agony and you beat TMDK. So that's top and bottom of the table. And uh, their losses are to uh, House of Torture and the War Dogs. So uh, Bullet Club causing a lot of headaches for our Chaos crew. You can imagine a bit fine. I love I loved it to Shii whenever we get a chance, but it I don't know. Like I, I feel spoiled on a Shii, like current Hall of Famer is Shii. He's he's great, but he's also an autopilot for these matches. And he comes in, he does his Shii spots. If you enjoy the what watching a Shii, take the time to watch his matches. Other than that, there's not much I can tell you about these matches that is gonna compel you to like you know what you're getting if you if you're coming into these matches. I mean, there is an Ishii match, and he did it. But the stuff that he did with, with TMDK, the stuff he did with Gates yes. of Agony, pretty good stuff right there. And uh, he's he's smoother than you give him credit for. Like he has the series of spots where he will just send his two or sometimes three opponents crashing into each other over and over again in consecutive ways. I totally shove take him into it for granted. Yeah, he's he's really clever with some of those uh, spots right there. Brad mentions a good question. This is whatever happened to the Oiwa versus the rest of just just five guys story? I think that's Uemura that said that he wanted to wrestle the rest of just five guys. 
or was there it might be an Oilers story, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then here you go. Uh, Venkin says, whiskey being spit sounds like Kanamaru. Yep, absolutely. They're doing the whole thing with House of Torture where all the guys, even if they aren't necessarily in the preview tags, are interfering uh, Kanemaru, uh show Dick Togo. Uh, Dick Togo is getting a lot of that crotch chop move in where they hang the guy upside down, spread the legs, and he separates the twins uh, with the uh, the wishbone there. And uh, after Thanksgiving, I've seen a lot of wishbones in that direction. And I just hope the man knows what he's doing because <laughs> if you, you miss by a little bit. Doesn't take much, does it, Jeremy? And uh, and it's bad. Uh, and bad, then the jewels get crowned. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so, uh, but uh, Togo seems to know what he's doing. He's been around a long time. So, yeah, that, that, but that's what they've been doing. So House of Torture shenanigans in full bloom in this one. It's uh, maybe even more so than in the Junior Tag League. It seems like there's uh, all of them are there every night. So, traveling around. So, what do you think? Uh, United at, Empire next? Yeah, let's do United Empire next. And then after that, we'll do Kiyomiya and Oiwa. Great. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. So uh, Okan and Hanare, they defeated Kiyomiya and Oiwa in Yokohama uh, after uh, their uh, their match at Korokan. And uh, that was uh, good with... Uh, and that, that was their they took the loss in Korokan. They beat uh, Kiyomiya and Oiwa in Yokohama. That was good grappling with Okan and Oiwa at that one. They Both of them having that uh, amateur wrestling background, and they decided to use some of it. It looked like a little bit of a Greco-Roman match at the beginning. Uh, the end sequence in the last few minutes of this one were real good. Uh, I, I don't want to say that this was a great match that you should go out of your way to see quite yet, but the last few minutes were terrific. And uh, so that was a win for Okana Hanare. They uh, lost to TMDK and Fujisawa. That was the, a really good match that we mentioned earlier. And then they beat House of Torture in uh, Nagoya, where they overcame the interference. Uh, and that one was entertaining because uh, Great Okan ducked the whiskey and sprayed green mist at Yujiro and then hit the eliminator on him. So he fought a little uh, fire with fire, so to speak. Fire water with fire. I'm and, always uh, amused to see just with the threshold of who needs to be protected against how could torture is. <laughs> right, that's a good point. We're like, uh, like Mendoza line in baseball, but a good new demand of this guy has to be, you know, to keep yeah. <laughs> And then, so they're going back and forth, back and forth. Well, uh, loss, win, loss, win. Uh, so uh, we will see how. Uh, I, I think they're going to stay in the middle of the pack for the most sure. part. I think that's pretty much their fate in this one. But uh, their matches have actually been fairly strong and consistent. Uh, they're they're having a pretty good tournament overall as far as just in-ring work goes. I wonder if Hanari is going to uh, end up with a singles match with somebody near the end of the tournament as a result of shenanigans near the end of the tournament. Yeah, it could uh, well usually it's got both. They just put Hanare in a singles match with somebody based off of something that happens at the end of whatever tournament he's in. Let's find out if this happens this time, Stephen. <laughs> Let's take a look at our NOAA team, uh, Kiyomi and Oiwa. We We've mentioned most of their matches already. They defeated the War Dogs by count out, count out in the first night there. The, the fans were into Oiwa as the underdog in that one, by the way. I, I think they sensed that Oiwa was going to end up doing the job in that, so when he didn't, and it was a count out win, they were pretty excited about it. Uh, and, uh, that was what, yeah, kid hit Kiyomiya with a chair after maybe setting up that match. And then, uh, they lost to the United empire in Yokohama. They managed to get a win over house of torture and Fujisawa. And they really tried hard to sell the house of torture shenanigans there. There again, whiskey, low blows, all of this, but Kiyomiya rolled up Yujiro on a hurricane Rana and pinned Yujiro to get the victory there. And then they lost to Narita and Umino in Nagoya there. And that was the one where 
Narita and Umino were giving Owiwa a lot of crap for being the young boy there and not being on their level. And they did end up beating him in the end. So that story will go on. As, uh, in, in fact, they got on the microphone afterwards. And Umino shouted to Owiwa, make us the mountain you need to climb. Trying, I guess that's trying to motivate him. Uh, but uh, he's just trying to say that uh, not quite on our level yet, son. But, you know, he's just going off on excursion. He's yeah, he not supposed wrong. to be yet. <laughs> You're not wrong. Not You'll wrong. be there. You'll get there one day. You ain't there yet. <laughs> so then there are the folks that are bringing up the rear. Jeremy, it's time to talk about the Gates Agony in this tournament. Let's see. Where are they on here? Yeah, where are they exactly? So I thought they had been wrestling fairly well. But to say they're not being protected is interesting, and uh, they uh, it is an understatement. And then they they're have being used curiously. <laughs> so uh, you know they had some awkwardness with their which there always is in your first match on the tour there, uh, but they handled it well in their loss to TMDK, and they got through it. Uh, they lost to Ishien Yano on the Yano Low Blow. They lost to Umina and Narida in Fujisawa. They were they just couldn't get past those guys. It's a classic win. Uh, clean win for Una and Narita. And then they managed to get the win over the War Dogs in Nagoya right there with the pedigree, as we mentioned. The most interesting thing that's happened with Gates of Agony is in a preview tag yesterday, when they teamed with uh, Yudo Nakashima against the House of Torture team, House of Torture team shook hands with them afterwards, handed them T-shirts, Gates of Agony accepted those shirts, put them on, and are claiming to be members of House of Torture. But, Jeremy, their next tournament match is against House of Torture. I sense a swerve coming. Oh, you do, do you? <laughs> but that was what they did. At the end of this match, it was like Evil and Yujiro and Dick Togo were like, gosh, you guys are terrific. I watched it. I, I was, Somebody mentioned that there was a pre-match, there was an angle in the pre-show, and I was like, okay. And I watched it, and I was like, they're wrestling on Friday, aren't they? And right. then they're wrestling on Friday. And if this lasts more than the tournament, more than the match, more than the beginning of the match, I'll be very, very shocked. Uh, shocked and it'll last more than beyond the tournament. Extremely shocked or beyond the match. Extremely shocked if they leave Japan as a member of House of Orchard. Although I have to say, considering they don't have long for this, they came up with a terrific line for being part of it. They just said, if you want them to get into the house, you got to go through the gates. I thought I, it all worked like, like it was creative and good for them. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Sam, I don't think you have to worry about them leaving the Mogul Embassy at this point. And there was I, an immense eye roll when I saw this. And I was like, are we, uh, you know what? Fine. Just give them a little subplot. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it, we've talked about how New Japan does not work very hard to protect people that aren't in New Japan. We've talked about Mike it's Bailey, all about betraying each other. Who's going to betray each other first on Friday? Yeah, absolutely. And then you get the whole thing too. I mean, it, this is why you can't really complain too much when New Japan guys go on Dynamite or on Collision and lose because, for God's sakes, they don't protect anybody that's not a New Japan guy unless his name is Moxley or Osprey, who are kind of sort of New Japan guys anyway. In, in their own little, in their there, own little There's ways. this whole sense that like, oh, I get to go to Japan? Absolutely. And then you go in there and you're just losing five times. Because it's just like, thank you for the honor of letting me be here. <laughs> there we go. So Swerve's house is actually the house of torture. Who knew? Sure. 
as Venkin says, he, he nailed it right there. In that for, for another 12 hours or so. Please, for the love of God, keep uh, House of Torture away from Mogul Embassy, especially Swerve. We're yeah, okay, I don't think we want, we do okay. not want, yeah, we do not want Swerve in uh, the House of Torture. You're absolutely right. That's, uh, let's keep I mean, those things up. Theoretically, theoretically, Swerve just beat Jay White. Oh, goodness. Here we Bullet go. Club. Bullet Club is also adjacent to the House of Torture. Swerve can't be a part of Bullet Club because of all this. He is just better than all of them. <laughs> Yeah, that, I, I, I have defeated the logic in which Tony Khan doesn't pay attention to New Japan anyway, but I have no prize to so. Dunson says Swerve in Japan would be chaotic. Yeah, you know, you could do something with that guy. I mean, you could do something with that guy anywhere, right? Good Lord. I uh, want him to build a brand in the States and then be huge and go to Japan. And then uh, get ready for the Swerve evil tag at Forbidden Door, according to Venkin. Well, who wouldn't buy tickets to that? Let's line them up. All right, who else we got to cover here on this one? Uh, oh, yes, well, we it's the House, House of Torture. House of Torture themselves. We mentioned that they strong, they started strong with that win over Chaos, but to be honest, the rest of the time, it's been the other teams overcoming them and beating them, and uh, it, they just it, do the House of Torture shtick, right? It's a ref bump. It's a lot of interference. It's whiskeys. It's wrenches. And then lately, it's been uh, the other team overcoming it anyway and beating them. So we're kind of back to where we were after House of Torture they had a... even bother trying to uh, uh, rehab Evil after losing to Sonata in, in August. They're like, all right, you're up. Go to the World Tag. <laughs> Get to it. Right yeah. back doing the Evil thing. You know, you're up at this level. Now you're back down to this level. All is right in the world. Let's take a look at A Block. Do we have the scores here and uh, uh, take a look yeah, at what's coming up ahead? Let me grab those real quick. Okay. So, again, the two top teams, Narita and Umino and TMDK, kind of who we thought, with the War Dogs as a stalking horse. So, there you go. And there are other teams at four, but the ones that stand out to me are uh, the War Dogs, Kid and Coglin. And, you know, we'll, we're taking a look at these matches. And, the, of course, the key one is the final night of block action, which is on the 6th. And that one has Okan and Hanare against Ishii and Yano, who will probably be mid-pack. Evil and Yujiro against Shota Umino and Ren Narita. So they're probably going to put Umino and Narita in a lot of jeopardy because with House of Torture, anything is possible. You could lose. You could get cracked with a wrench. Missed it, whiskeyed, whatever. The other key match there, we see the War Dogs against TMDK. That's kind of an upset special, isn't it, Jeremy? They have to watch out not to slip on the banana peel against the War Dogs. And then Oiwa and Kiyomiya against Khan and Leona in a match that we don't expect to have an impact on the final standings. To me, this still kind of looks like TMDK and Narita moving on. Uh, it would be unusual not to have a come from behind team. So watch out for the war dogs, which is why I think they might end up getting involved and uh great Okan and Hanare. Uh, you can't really totally count those guys uh, completely out, but it doesn't feel like this is their year to get into the playoffs, but could be wrong. I hope that it is not my homerism for Shoda and Ren to go forward. That is clouding me here. Because it is entirely possible that Evil and Yujiro, while not advancing, cost them from moving forward in this tag tournament. Because them in the last night is one of those, uh-oh. And the fact that they are so far ahead right now is also an uh-oh. But at the same time, I don't see them losing twice. And I think TMDK beating Shoda and Ren, but not advancing into the tournament further 
is uh, is something that I would keep in mind. So if I'm going to go with it, uh, right now I'm leaning towards Shota and Ren and the War Dogs as the teams that advance at this point. Here's why I I worry about Umino and Narita uh, even more sometimes than TMDK. Look at their three matches left. Ishii and Yano. Mm-hmm. You might get in the nuts and pinned by Yano. Could always happen. Happens to the best of people in New Japan. It's not, they have positioned Yano and the way he works in such a way that it never embarrasses anyone to lose to him, particularly, right? It's possible. Mikey Nichols and Shane Hayes, they're facing TMDK. TMDA, TMDK mm-hmm. could absolutely win that match. The other one, Evil and Ujiro, very, very different from Yano, but the same thing was that team can beat anyone because there could be just chaos with a bunch of people running in and weapons and interference. There are ways for them to lose all three of these where it wouldn't be weird. It wouldn't be a giant upset. Like they could lose any of these. So uh, Narita and Umino end up in a little bit of jeopardy toward the end of the tournament. It makes this block a little more intriguing with the way it's uh, set up to finish. I'm kind of, I'm kind of at a point right now where I think we're five wins and you're in. So if a Chi and Yano and TMDK beat, Umino, and that leaves them at eight. That could be interesting. Like, 10 is like a guarantee at this point to get it. So maybe there's a draw in there. Maybe there's something like there. But I do feel like it's two losses and a win to get uh, for Shota and Ren where they have a skid and then the evil and Ujiro threaten them and maybe they have the victorious thing because of all the teams... The most momentum is Umino and Ren at Wrestle Kingdom versus Bishamon. And uh, so that that's really where my mind is at. So uh, War Dogs versus TMDK on the last night is, uh, that's a trap one. Like, I think we should see exactly where, where that is. And then I think with the other couple of matches, uh, Kiyomiya and Gates of Agony, doesn't really seem like that's going to be the consequential one. And then... What do we got? Hinare and Ishii and Yano on the last night. So mm-hmm. I think I think what we're looking at is Evil and Ren, and then the winner of TMDK is the other one that that determines that one. All right, and uh, yeah, uh, the bank and uh, you mentioned uh, Umino and Ren could lose all three. And it what's could. nice, what's nice is really TMDK is facing War Dogs and Umino and Narita. Like a lot of the tie-breaking matches are yet to take place. Uh, one that might matter is uh, War Dogs do have the uh, tiebreaker over Umina and Narita. So uh, just, there's a lot of uh, a lot of ways this could go, despite the fact that we have uh, two teams on six and everybody else a little below them. We ready for Block B? Woo! Man. Right. Block B has a leader on top. They are a perfect 4-0. and o. They are Monster Sauce. Alex Zane and Lance Archer having one hell of a good tournament, both in the ring and in the results. Really enjoyed seeing this one. And uh, they have been uh, fabulous and just rolling through this so far, despite not always having their pants. And we'll discuss that, too. Uh, so we have all that. After that is uh, we have Taichi and Uemura involved. Uh, they are up in the standings. Atlantis and Junior and Soberano Junior are also involved. Hikaleo and ELP having a bit of a rough time. Uh, Suji and Zandakan Jr. still trying to find their way. And, of course, they have a non-New Japan guy in there, so not necessarily the most protected. And then the shock, in my estimation, is Bishamon not doing well at all. 
And uh, no surprise that Folly and Bonds are toward the bottom as Bonds is just learning uh, on this. But uh, this block is a little topsy-turvy and with Nagata and Suzuki, goose egg. Yeah. I'm not uh, a little... I had a dream that uh, Shodan Ren could be facing Suzuki and Nagata. (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, Well, let's go over it from the top down, and we'll get to Suzuki and Nagata because in some ways they're the most interesting team in this thing. But uh, up at eight points, as I mentioned right there in block B, we have uh, Monster Sauce, Zane, and Archer. Now, they defeated Bonza, uh, Jack Bonza and Bad Luck Fale in Corrigan Hall. Uh, Archer actually hit a senton off the apron to Fale, which is like that old Jushin Liger move where he goes taken off down the apron and does that forward somersault onto a guy. Doesn't get to do that to too many people without injuring anybody, but Fale can do it. Uh, cinnamon twist for the end. We have learned that Alex Zane has his own Taco Bell combo meal in Japan. Good for him. How, how cool is that? And uh, and yeah, that was a victory for them at Corican Hall. And uh, any of the Tokyo Era McDonald's, you can ask for the Alex Zane value meal. What we haven't gotten anyone to tell us yet is what's in that value meal yet. Like, what do you get when you order? I'd imagine there's cinnamon twists involved. I I, I figured it was all the moves that he's named, or all of the food he's named moves after, right? Taco driver, Something cinnamon like twist. That, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not in love with his whole dick, but hey, I'm glad it's working out for him. <laughs> no, he's a good wrestler, though. Uh, they had a good match against Bishamon and Yamanashi and uh, got the the blackout on Goto. That's the big move that Archer does. Puts the guy up on his shoulders and flips him forward. Kersplat. And then they defeated Soberano and Atlantis, uh, CMLL team, in Fukushima. That was another really good match. Uh, that was the uh, Taco Driver win over Soberano after a choke slam from Archer. Interesting note here, Jeremy. Alex Zane wore red shorts instead of his red uh, pants. Uh, they're not really, I don't know if they're really tights. Maybe they are. But uh, red shorts, and they were red shoes, red shorts, because he left his pants behind. Left his pants in an arena sometime, which he did get them back. But for a little while, he was wrestling in basically uh, gym shorts that he had borrowed from red shoes. And I think my favorite part of that is that red shoes, shorts, match the shoes. So I, I'm yeah. glad it like worked out. I was a little confused and like watching it, and I was like, <laughs> Okay, uh, sure. Let's just go with it. And it was like, if this is the most interesting thing going on in this match, like, I'm sorry, that's 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 not great. <laughs> but it wasn't that that Soberano and Atlantis yeah. match was really good. It's just so happened he when he came to the ring, they played it up. Like Archer, like when he took his he uh, rope, around, like what's going his on? robe off, Archer what's was looking at him. He's like, "Where are your pants, dude? What the hell?" Uh, and then they defeated Taichi and Uemura in Shizuoka in a match that centered on uh, Taichi against Archer in really one of their first meetings, the preview tag the day before, and then that tag match, since the breakup of Suzuki-Goon. And Taichi mentioned that he and Archer were the longest tenured members of Suzuki-Goon, not named Minoru Suzuki. So they were together a long time in Japan. Of course, Archer went back and forth, uh, worked a lot in the United States as well, while uh, Taichi was always there. I like the callback. I thought that uh, that was a, that was a strong moment for the entire match. Was you know, hey, we're brothers, and then Lance like Archer just being a dick about it, and then like turning on, you know, going back and forth. But the the callback to Suzuki Goon, I thought were were genuinely fun. And Taichi and Yue Mora, by the way, they they hit a move. This is here's some pro wrestling logic for you. Here. They hit a move, which was the blackout, using Alex Zane to crash down onto Yue Mora. So he gave Alex Zane the blackout where he threw Zane off his shoulders onto Uemura. I guess that move doesn't hurt if your partner does it to you, which is always kind of funny because so he, and Zane did sell a little bit, like he grabbed his back, whoa, you know, and then 
Archer pinned uh, Uemura. But I also think that if they did a thing in a match where he uh, did the blackout from one of his opponents onto the other opponent, I think mm -hmm. both of them would sell it like he killed them, right? But if you if your own partner does it, I guess it's okay. I I, I guess <laughs> it's wrestling logic for you right there. It it reminds me of that what was it the steel cage match between uh, the uh, Huey and Dewey Jackson and uh, the uh, shoot. Uh, Oh my God! Why am I blanking out on this? The Lucha Brothers, the Lucha Brothers, where uh, right, it was right. uh, they he held him for for Phoenix to do his big move, which uh, which uh, Penta absolutely took full force, but he just popped right back up uh, because it was his own partner. It doesn't hurt if your own partner comes crashing down on you. <laughs> Although Huey and Dewey were actually selling for a minute there, so it was different. So, uh, God, yeah, he yeah, Venkin, he's asking, did he drop his partner on his opponent? Yes, he did. So apparently, his opponent. Uh, kept them. Uh, his opponent was enough of a cushion that it hurt the opponent, but saved Zane. It's an interesting thought there. That's uh, that's some wrestling logic for you that you have to block out. By the way, well, we'll just side note, Jeremy. Yeah, I was home for Thanksgiving and I was watching some of these matches, uh, and my mom came in the room. Now I've been watching wrestling since I was eight years old. My mom watched more wrestling over this past Thanksgiving weekend than she had in the previous forty years. Told for her like she did. Yeah. She just sat down and watched some new Japan with me. And my favorite quote of the whole thing was her just saying, Oh, come on. The referee can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought probably can't mom. I can't really argue with you. She just said that didn't look right. I think he can see over there. That didn't look like it was far. He wasn't behind him. He was next to him. It was, it, well, I didn't. <laughs> Refereeing schools aren't what they used to be, man. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Brad mentions that I love Monster Sauce so much. If Lance uh, got lost on his way back to AEW and just stayed in New Japan along with Zayn, I wouldn't complain. Me neither. New Japan takes care of him so much better than AEW does. It's not funny. He's a really talented dude. I agree. Yeah, there you go. So does Sam. We all agree. Let's all keep, let's let's keep him. Let's talk to somebody. Someone call uh, someone call Ghetto. Someone call Tony. Tony might not notice he's gone if he just left. Tony Logan's action figured, but yeah. There's a thousand guys in the locker room. Quite a bit. A thousand guys in that locker room. Okay, let's see who else is in contention in Group B. Well, we have uh, the team that we just mentioned, Taichi and Uemura. Where, let me find where these guys are on this whole meal. So they got a win on night one uh, over Zandukan Jr., the Z, and uh, Yoda Suji. And that was uh, that was good. Uh, Suji and Uemura, Uemura are drawn to each other as rivals. And uh, these pairs, uh, to me, make more sense than the concept of the Rei with three musketeers. Because we've talked about how Uemura and Suji started their career with uh, 21 consecutive time limit draws against one another. And Suji, uh, Suji and Uemura's career are a little more tied together than either of them are with Narita and Umino, who are just in slightly different little stratas of young lions right there. So while they talk about the Rei with three musketeers with Ren, Shoda, and Yoda, it's Uemura and Suji that really make more sense as, as rivals, right? There's really four of them, basically, rather than just a three musketeers thing. So he missed that by, what, three months before he came back. Anyway, Zandakan has some interesting offense, CMLL guy. Uh, he hit a pile driver out of a fireman's carry. That looked cool. This match was really good for the final few minutes. It was a black Mephisto on Zandakan to, to win the thing. And uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Suji and Uemura together. They wrestled each other a lot. So it makes sense that they would slide right back into it. I enjoy it. I enjoy it when I see him. 
together. After that, they defeated Hikaleo and El Fantasmo and Yamanashi. So that was a win over the strong tag team champions. We're going to talk about that. I, I don't know that we're going to be seeing all of the title matches coming out of this the way you normally do, just because the champions have been taking little lumps in this tournament, both both of them. Uh, in this one, I, I got to ask, I, I would like to know if uh, Suji and not Suji, Taichi and Uemura had gone out the night before. They were so subdued in Yama, Yamanashi. I wondered if they were hungover. I really did. I, they just looked like they were morose and being there, but it got better toward the end. Black Mephisto on ELP. Uh, the crowd was quiet. It took a while to get into this because it just looked like Taichi didn't particularly want to be there. Uh, after that, they defeated Nagata and Suzuki when Uemura hit the deadbolt suplex on Nagata. And uh, Suzuki versus Taichi was interesting, of course, you know, being, again, former Suzuki-Goon member. But then they lost to Archer and Zane uh, with the uh, move we were just talking about there mm -hmm. in uh, Shizuoka. So that brought them to uh, off to a 3-0 and start, 3-1 and overall, just two points behind Monster Sauce. I think they've had, like, a fine campaign. Right, like I, I was shocked when I was. Oh yeah, Taichi won the King of Pro Wrestling. I don't think I ever had an opportunity to watch that match. Was that one ever? Did it ever air the the when Taichi won the King of Pro Wrestling match against? Mm -hmm. I missed it. I missed it oh. completely. Oh okay. Like, I right. guess I did. I guess I missed the show totally. So oops, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so when I saw that and just watching him go through this, anyways. Like the story is about Yuya Uemura, frankly mm. speaking. Like the entire, like whatever spotlight they had, it's all about him. Uh, and Taiichi is just kind of a set piece for this whole thing. And I'm appreciating the story, but uh, we are we are fast into the young guy period of New Japan. Let's take a look at some comments. Brad mentions that the Just Five two of the just five guys against murder grandpa is my favorite match from what I've seen so far. Taichi and Suzuki going at it, then shaking hands post-match after having a talk made me tear up pretty cool. What they're doing with those guys. I, I, I agree. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Dunstan mentions that Yuya to me has the same issue with Narita where it doesn't feel like their styles have developed compared to Shota and Suji. Yeah. Um, time. Give it time. It literally yeah. been like a month. Yeah. And Narita is starting to break out of the Shibata tribute act mold a little bit he's starting to show a little bit more personality he's smiling a little bit more he's starting to get a little bit more of himself in there and not just doing a shibata impression and it is going to take a little while for ue mora who's a really good looking guy and sometimes has charisma but like i said he did look hung over in yamanashi i don't know what happened there uh and let's see. Oh, okay, we just had that. And uh, Dunstan just mentions that Zanakan has been pretty good on the tour. Yeah, he sure has. All three CMLL guys have been strong, I think. And Zanakan is not somebody I've seen as much as I've seen Soberano and Atlantis. But uh, he, he's been really good and has a lot, a lot of charisma, a lot of innovative offense. And he and Suji work well together. So he's been a pleasure, I think. So, Any thoughts on Zanakan uh, from what you've seen? I think it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I don't know what he, who he reminds me of, but he reminds me of somebody. And I, I can't... Does that make any sense? Like, like I watch him, and I just feel like there's there are styles and there's something that he has. Like, he reminds me of, like, ELP in a way, where but he's hmm. a little bit more filled out. And, okay. I, and I'm working on it. Like, I hopefully by next week, I will have my analysis... <laughs> firmly through on this one i am working on i so here's what's going on i had a b bracket like slide for this but 
we have like over a hundred clients. Yeah. And it was one Oh one. So I don't have a B bracket <laughs> and I can't like leave the recording to go grab it and come back. Okay. Because I just, it's a mess. So I'm giving up. We're not going to have well, a B bracket graphic. <laughs> no, we're not, not one that's complete, but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we have, uh, yeah. So, oh, and Venkin's asking, how is Suzuki's situation with his partner? Uh, we'll get to it in a minute, but it's not good. It's not good. Uh, it, it's, it's been a struggle for them. Uh, I, was, so, uh, I was expecting them to get on the same page a little earlier than now, and it does not seem like that is the case. Feels like that's going to be a second half thing. And now we were just talking about the CMLL guys. Up next, Atlantis and Soberano, the juniors out there. So they are working as peer baby faces that get along despite Soberano's recent Rudo turn in CMLL. Uh, they're pretty much ignoring that and going with him as a uh, baby face. He did a little bit of heel stuff, uh, really, uh, sort of, in uh, a couple of matches there, but uh, not not a whole lot. Uh, they were absolutely dominated in Corican Hall by Nagata and Suzuki. I mean, did not get a lick of offense in on the two veterans, except Soberano hit a flash pin on Suzuki. That was really about the only thing they did. Hit a flash pin on a roll-up on Suzuki and won the match there to start off their tournament. And uh, their operating system is better than Windows 95. (laughs) Yes, and Yamanashi. They had a match against Jack Bonza and Bad Luck Fallet that fell apart for a little while. They couldn't quite get Bonza up for the suplex position so that Atlantis could do the top rope dive onto him. Uh, they did manage to save it by Soberano hitting a Fosbury flop on Fallet, which looked great. Uh, Atlantis hit a splash on Bonza from the top to win. They lost to Zane and Archer in uh, Fukushima and then had a time limit draw with Bishamon in Shizuoka. That was a great match, too. Excellent match, uh, really well done, and a very interesting finish. Not one that I expected. I did not expect that one to go all 30 minutes. So uh, this team, uh, in pretty good shape here. They uh, have a a loss, a draw, uh, but uh, other than that, they've got uh, wins. So uh, feeling good, Atlanta Sobrano on five. I think uh, think they're doing a lot to set up a successful run for CML Fantastic Mania in a couple months, and uh, this is set the stage for that. So I kind of like what they're doing here with that. Next, we have our set of NJPW Strong Tag Team Champions, Hikaleo and ELP. Uh, they uh, got a big win in Corican Hall against the IWGP World Tag Team Champions. They, the, Between the two champions, the Strong Champs beat the IWGP Champs, Goto and Yoshihashi. They defeated Bishamon. The first 15 minutes of this was fine. Once they started hitting the big moves, it got a lot better. Uh, Hikaleo got a choke slam. ELP hit the dive on the outside to Goto and jumped back in, splashed Yoshihashi and won it. After that, tougher times, uh, Jeremy. They lost their next two, uh, a match to Taichi and Uemura in Yamanashi. And then they dropped one to Suji and Zandakan after a gene blast and a really good match in Fukushima. That was a good match. And uh, Hikaleo managed to get out of the Amigos splash. So Suji and Zandokan, which we're about to talk about here, their big move is Zandokan goes to the corner. Suji climbs the, to the top rope and stands on Zandokan's shoulders. Zandokan walks with Suji on his shoulders, and then Suji splashes the opponent off the top of him, of him instead of off the top rope, off the top of Zandokan. Hikaleo is so tall, he reached up and snatched Zandokan. By that was wild. <laughs> you know, it was really, you know, just reached up and grabbed him by the throat. Uh, and so uh, after that, though, they did manage to beat Suzuki and Nagata with a CR2 on Suzuki to get back on track. Two and two, Hikaleo and ELP. So 
This is one of those teams that I thought is really interesting on how they're booking them. Hikaleo mm-hmm. uh, is kind of a start and stop kind of guy. Like they're invested and then they kind of like put him in a nice position here or there, create some like viability and threat to him and then just kind of, you know, let him eat into it. So he has a strong champion right now. Strong champions right now. They beat the IWGP tag team champions. They do it in a show of like handshakes, everything. Like they put these guys over strong. And I thought it was really interesting how they did that. And I thought, what what what's going on here? But it also made me think, I don't think that these guys are probably winning this tournament at this point. Because mm-hmm. they're really there's no there's no reason to do that. So them losing the next couple is interesting. But I thought what was really interesting was how Yoda Suji pinned Hikaleo with the gene blast, took him out, especially after the G1 match where it didn't go his way. Uh, it, it felt like we were seeing progression with these young guys and the fact that they were able to make that booking decision, I thought was really interesting. All right. Yeah, it has been. It has been fascinating. We're going to talk about the titles here in a little bit. We're going to get to that when we do Bishamon. Suji and Zandakan Jr. are two and two. They lost to Taichi and Uemura and Korokan, beat Nagata and Suzuki. Uh, Suzuki hit that uh, big splash off of Zandakan's shoulders in Yamanashi. And then they beat uh, ELP and Hikaleo and Fukushima, as we mentioned, and uh, dropped the one to Fale and Jack Bonza. They gave Jack Bonza a victory. Uh, in uh, in Shizuoka, so that was the upset loss. There keeps them at two and two, and th- you know it's a team with a guy that's a guest and shouldn't be a big part of it. But they've been entertaining to watch. I just don't think they're going to be involved much in the playoffs here. No, I think uh, I think the glory for Yoda Suji is a singles title down the line, not not yeah. the tag titles. Yeah, but I am enjoying they- them. They are a highlight. They are a highlight like team to watch in this. Just because Xander Khan is a lot of fun. Uh, Yoda Suji has so much charisma. But there are some of the matches that they have so far that you're like, oof, they're, they're going to uphill battle. And it's mainly due to the people in the, in the matches against them. But we'll get to that. Up next, we have the IWGP World Tag Team Champions, Bishamon, on only three points. It's just amazing to me. Uh, there's a long-standing tradition of ghetto booking these tournaments so that a favorite or a top team or guy goes behind the eight ball early. But this is ridiculous. <laughs> they were really doing it. First of all, they lost, as we mentioned, to ELP and Hikaleo and Gorkin. Then they dropped the match to Archer and Zane. Uh, they, that was the one where Archer gave go to the blackout. They got their first win uh, with uh, Jack Bonza and uh, Fale with uh, Shoto on Bonza. But then they had the 30-minute draw with Soberano and Atlantis. Here's why I don't think that we're going to be seeing all these title matches. First of all, I feel like, first of all, ELP and Hikaleo uh, theoretically have a title match now. Archer and Zane theoretically already have a title match now. I think all that goes away if the first title match goes to whoever wins this tournament and that team beats Bishimon in the Tokyo Dome. Then you don't have to worry about any of this. You can beat him as much as you want. So I don't think there's going to be this rush to line up all these teams to face Bishamon after this. But I also feel like they are on three points, which means they can now max out with, uh, let's see, they have three matches to go, six, they can match out, on, they can max out with nine. If they win out, they get nine points. Well, Archer and Zane are already at eight, and there are other teams at six. So 
I expect the second half of this bracket to look very different than the first half of this bracket. Yes. I think in A block, some things are about to kind of go wrong, maybe for Monster Sauce. Certainly, I think uh, for uh, Taichi and Uemura. And then I think Bishamon's about to go on a big old roll, don't you? Uh, I think Bishamon is going to have a run. I don't know if it's the run is going to be strong enough for them to be viable through the rest of the tournament. But I am feeling like they need to be looking real good going into the rest of Wrestle Kingdom. The losses they had, the draw, I think it's one of those, their story is, okay, we got to get our act together. I think, I think mm -hmm. you're not wrong. Yeah. And I think they're about to go on a run. So uh, that brings us to a team that is doing exactly what it should do in this tournament, which is Bad Luck Fale and Jack Bonza. Bonza is one of those guys that have been working with Tamashi at the Oceana branch of New Japan. He's been working with Fale and his dojo and his guys. This is all about getting Bonza reps. The results yes. don't matter so much. It's all about getting him matches, experience at this level, and having him do everything. And that's really what's going on. Here is the pattern of every match that Fale and Bonza work. It is almost all Jack Bonza in the ring. Fale does a couple of big man spots. They find a way for Fale to get knocked out of the ring so that Bonza can finish the match and be pinned, basically. They did get the one win because you, know, you very rarely get a team going goose egg in these things unless it's a full-on young lion in it. Uh, they you know, they drop the match to uh, Archer and Zane, Atlantis and Soberano, Bishamon, but they got their first win uh, when Fale actually did break up Zandakan and Suji doing that big splash off the shoulders. Bonza hit a brack breaker, Fale with an elbow, and that's uh, just to kind of keep things even. But when I look at Bonza, it's a talented guy. He's very strong. He looks like he's just waiting on that call about the opening of the Viking Raiders, doesn't he? Like he's just waiting for that call. <laughs> like he's just waiting for someone to call him and mention, you know, we have a spot for a guy that looks exactly like you. He looks like the lost Viking Raider. Uh, but he he has been doing fine, but more than any result, and even more than his individual performances, it's about getting him reps on this level. I I see Balga and I think he's fine. But what I see more is Fale saying, hey, here's my guy. Let me show you that what I'm doing over in Tamashi is working. And he's like, let's spotlight more, 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 more. I see it and I'm just like, he's just a guy with a red like bandana on. And as much as you want to tell me he's great, frankly speaking, he is being completely brought down by his tag association with Fale. Well, like, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying he's great. I'm not. He's no, been doing I, fine. I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I know that like he's getting reps, and I get what is what they're trying to do. But I'm not sure if it's counterintuitive having the direct association with Fale because when I see Fale, it's actively taking away from the rest of the act. Like I I, I see him, and I'm just like. I, I see that you like see your ticket is with Fale and Fale sees that his ticket is with you, but you're going to hopefully figure out that you're better than this guy because he's well, taking you down. Well, Fale has definitely picked up a lot of weight. He's less mobile than before and he's doing a lot less. There's just no question about this. He's that's, that that's Soberano what... Jr. and Atlanta match with Fale was embarrassing. It was rough. It was rough. Just really didn't work. Just really didn't work. Match like, I, there was, there was a sequence where, Fale, frankly, needed to take four bumps from going to the ropes and hitting the outside on the outside, like, barricade from, like, a splash. He was supposed to hit the ropes, fall through the ropes, hit the ground, 
roll back and and do that. He took one bump out of that entire sequence, and I just felt so bad for Soberano and Atlantis because they were working so hard to get something out of it, and he just didn't try. And it's just like... There were people that legitimately wanted this spot in the World Tag League and, like, have tweeted, and hopefully it's just storyline and not, like, legitimately didn't get a shot in consideration for Fale and Bogza. And no no, no shade to Bogza whatsoever. You're doing your job. You've gone in there. You're the guy, like, to spotlight and all that. But, man, Fale... Fale is embarrassing a lot of people right now, and that's the best I'm going to say. Brad has a question here. Do you think they do a multi-team match at the Dome? Whoever wins the tournament, Bishamon, Monster Sauce, or something like that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, part of it is, has been that the winner gets the title shot at the Dome, so that's that's a bit of the story. But you could always run an angle that could bring other people into it, I suppose. Uh, it, it does seem strange that there isn't a multi team or multi-person match other than you know the big three-way with osprey uh moxley and finlay there's usually something like they usually do that in the junior tag match though and have a four-way like they did the thing for the junior heavyweight title last year and things so uh yeah it, it would be and then uh dunson said i was thinking the same thing it'd be smart to have more guys on the card uh you know it's I guess it's possible, but they would have a to lot run of an angle off. But... We've been watching; they're tipping at four or five hours, like the power struggle and some of these other things. I don't know how many more matches they're going to be able to get on this card without squeezing out some of the stuff. We might have a pre-show. We haven't heard anything about like a Rambo or anything like that. I don't think that's happening. But I bet there is. Yeah, I bet there is. Remember, like we've had six-hour Wrestle Kingdoms before. Yeah. But I just I don't know how many multi man they're gonna throw on there just to make sure. Like they might have a couple, but like this is, yeah. Speaking of red headband, I need more Oscar Loibe and Monster Sauce. He he has been uh, he has been an honorary member and seems to be doing well with it. So yeah, that that's true. That's from Brad. There he said. Uh, so we have one more. more team, right? We got one more team. Might be the most interesting one of the batch here, and that is the winless Minoru Suzuki and Yuji Nagata. Now, these two uh, dominated, I mentioned, Atlantis and Soberano in Korakun, but Soberano got a flash pin. Uh, they lost to Zandakan and Suji, and afterwards, uh, Suzuki was berating Nagata after, in the post-match comments. Then they went to uh, to uh, face Taichi and Uemura. Uemura ended up pinning Nagata with the deadbolt. Suzuki totally questioned his spirit, said he was, does he have any fight left in him? Does he... Uh, is he still around? And he says, your style hasn't changed in 20 years, he told him. So, yeah, Venkin mentions that he uh, called them old-fashioned, just berating poor Nagata after every match. Then they went into the fourth match, and Suzuki got beat. So Suzuki ended up taking the CR2. And uh, when Nagata and Suzuki began arguing in the middle of the ring when they had the advantage. So afterwards, Nagata was saying, we've got to get on the right page, but I feel like we're heading in the right direction despite the results. Suzuki just seethed and said, I don't believe in taking life lessons from losses. Losses just mean you're not good enough. And he marches off. So it's uh, you know, a whole thing where I I know they're going to get at least one big win in this tournament somewhere. Uh they probably are probably the last night. 
yeah, they're basically out of it. But uh, I, I do feel like there is a bit of redemption for these two coming because Nagata continues to insist that they're getting a little bit better each time. And Suzuki insists he still hates Nagata's guts. So there you have it. it it's the extremes, too. We've, we're seeing the the full-blown uh, switch of that, that trios thing. That's best of seven where you saw Narita and Umino couldn't be better friends right now. Uh, total bromance. Mm-hmm. you're seeing Desperado and Watto who now tolerate each other. And that's about as far as we've gotten with that one. And, and they, they tolerate each other. There's a little bit of respect in there. And then we're seeing Nagata and Suzuki not wrestling well together, still hating each other. And I guess they can't all end with uh, handshakes. And 40 hugs, years so. of ice takes some time to thaw. <laughs> well, and there was also another documentary. We mentioned that a little bit uh, with Umino and Narita. It's worth going and uh, checking out 40 years of hate, as they call it, when they examine how, Wong, Nagata, and Suzuki have been at each other's throats all their most of their pro wrestling careers, of course. And then uh, turns out they met at about the age of 15 in an amateur wrestling tournament. Suzuki won. But uh, there you go. So if we're looking at the brackets, right? The B bracket now, going back into it, we have Archer and Zane at eight, Taichi and Uemura at six, Atlantis and Silverado at five. Then we have Hikuleo, ELP, Yodi, Yodosuji, Kanukin. They're at four. Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi at three. Mm. And then we have Fale and Bongo. So unless Archer and Zane lose all three matches moving forward, there is a very high possibility that they're going to move forward because they've already technically eliminated two teams and Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi need to win out to at least win nine points to move forward. So, and he, Yeah, and they, they have to get there. And so we're looking at Yo, uh, Goto and Yoshihashi, right? They have to win out. Here's who they have left. Suji and Zandokan should be a win. Nagata and Suzuki on the second to last night of the tournament. So they could win that one. So they could go into the final match of the tournament with Taichi and Uemura with a shot, you know, that they still are alive right. as long as they win out. So I think that's going to be the story there. Nagata and Suzuki's final match is against uh, Fale and Banza. So that feels like that might be where they get their mm-hmm. their victory finally. And okay, but th- here, here, here's what's interesting. Mm-hmm. They also face Nagata and Suzuki on the second. So if they win, that gets them to 10. Yeah. So if that gets them to 10, that leaves Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi with only one spot in order to move forward. And as far as Lance and Zane go, this is this is interesting here. They have Suzuki and Nagata. They have Hikuleo and El Fantasmo, which could be a loss. And they have Yoda, Suji, and Zandakan in, in, in to go. And their final match is against Hikuleo and El Fantasmo. So those are... Potential losses if again if it's if Nagata and Suzuki start to pull it together. Uh but so, that, Hikuleo no, I, I and think Fantasmo they lost to them in a non-title a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. And when that happens, that typically means that in another scenario when the titles aren't on the line, that they're gonna get that win back. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's take a look at the, the the final night of B block action. Let's go over this again so, okay. so we're clear. We will have Goto and Yoshihashi, Bishamon, 
Uh, they will face Taichi and Ue Uemura in a match that will almost certainly have an effect on who goes on and who doesn't in some way, shape, or form. That's going to be a big one. Nagata and Suzuki, who will probably be mathematically eliminated, will face Fale and Banza. That's probably the match that's not going that's to That's the opening of the tag league for that night, I'm going to suggest. Zane and Archer against Hikaleo and Phantasmo. That one's going to be pretty crucial. And then the other one is Yoda Suji and Zandakan against Atlantis and Soberano. So really, my guess is the B block is going to come down to the last night where the only match that doesn't have a bearing is the Suzuki and Nagata against Fale and Banza. And then those other three matches are just going to be a scramble to see who can capture those two places from those six teams. And I think all six of those teams are likely to be mathematically into it in it once we get to uh, to that show. So... I am leaning towards Archer and Zane getting in, but getting eliminated um, uh, within the first round. And so they'll come back and challenge for the strong title to the LPN Hikaleo. Uh, that seems like something that happened maybe in San Jose. Uh, yeah, but they, they did, they did do that match in uh, Las Vegas. They did, but if they get the, t- they get the win against them at the end of the tournament, they again. might they might revisit that one and then actually take the titles and 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 go mm-hmm. with Malkshakov going forward. So fun. you you could do that. So that leaves what Yoda Suji and Atlantis. I feel like because Atlantis and Soberano drew with uh, the champions that you have to keep that match. Kind of there was a there was a reason that they did that, but I also don't think that they're going to advance. Okay. So I'm going to I'm gonna kind of move Yoda Suji and Tanukin off to the side. So the other match that I think is really going to matter is going to be that Hiroki Goto Yoshihashi versus Yuya Urimura and Taichi match. And if it were me, I'd have Taichi and Uimura uh, move forward with uh, Uimura getting the pin. Okay. Well, we'll see how that turns out. And uh, we'll be coming down to that. Now, when we do this show next week, Mm-hmm. We will have all of the uh, A block action, I believe, and then we'll be down to the final night of block uh, work and B, and then the finals. That'll be all that's left. And so there, when we come back next Thursday, there will still be two nights of World Tag League. There will be the finals, and uh, I believe one more night of block action to go. So we'll be almost there. Isn't there a semifinal and a final? Uh, yeah, there is. Uh, so be, it might be the might semifinals be and the finals. Maybe that will but be. We it. might but have all the block action done. We might have that done. Yeah, we might have that done. That's and also, point. while we're at it, uh, in addition to what we'll be talking about next week, next week is the first day of our December Nido rewatches. Okay. And so uh, if you are watching this show and you want to join us on New Japan World, go and find Wrestle Kingdom 6 and the match between Tetsu Naito and... Uh, Keiji Muto. It was a singles match. It was the uh, eighth of nine matches on the card. We're going to be talking about that match as we run up all of Naito's big main events going into Wrestle Kingdom. Not saying who we think is winning the main event, but we're going to take a look at every single one of Naito's matches leading up to it. So uh, He was the G1 winner, and he is the one with the legacy of Wrestle Kingdom. It's not like Sonata has a whole lot of uh, banner matches at Wrestle Kingdom that we have to, like, reflect upon here i'm sorry if that's the play (laughs) 
Let's get some comments in here before we move on to the new young lions. We have new young lions there. Yes. So uh, Brad mentions that there should be a Rambo since they need to crown a new KOPW oh, title. Hey. That's how a lot of people are going to get on the card. That's how they do that with a lot of that stuff. They're going to get a lot of people on with the Rambo. And uh, let's see. Um, that's, uh, didn't they say they were going to start early for uh, for the Wrestle Kingdom 18? It's always a super long show. It's always a really long show. So, uh, and usually great, but yeah. And then Venkin mentions that you got to think that Stardom has a show before Wrestle Kingdom with Mayu defending the IWGP. And I doubt that will be as, at the same time as Wrestle Kingdom. start at Kingdom. like 9 p.m. Pacific time. I agree with that. So that one's probably going to be ending in time for uh, anyone catching both shows to make it probably. Uh, but yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, that, that will be over with by the time Kingdom starts. And uh, Colin mentions, I can't wait until Nagata and Suzuki start beating the crap out of each other again. Uh, this everything is the, this everything is cool nonsense is weird. Cats well, and dogs living together. Insanity. Yeah, they are. They are not happy with one another. And uh, Brad mentions that shooters of strong style versus just five guys could be an awesome final and filled with three of the returning young lions with Yuya wanting to show he should be a musketeer. Well, I think he should be. I think that should be a group of four, not just three. So, yep, yeah, let's do that. I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I think that'll be exciting. The uh, like I said, hoping that uh, the second half of the tournament brings some great matches to go with the good matches we've had thus far, and uh, we'll see how tag league turns out. We'll have a lot what more. What it really uh, comes down to on the world tag league for me is like there's only a few teams that I honestly think are going to win it, and the stories that they're telling within the world tag league aren't so compelling that I'm like, oh, I'm on the edge of my seat for these matches. They're fine. Everything is fine. The quality is up to New Japan level. But if you're looking for, like, I need a mind-blowing, like, wrestling experience, and the, is the World Tag League going to provide that for me? Unfortunately, no. So, uh, a couple of notes here that I had. Uh, I wanted to note that uh, Fujisawa, that show, had 1,342 people. That is up 300 from last year's tournaments and the most to show up in that building in Fujisawa since 2006. So that was a pretty good turnout for that show uh, in Fujisawa. The other shows are pretty much on par with what New Japan often does in those towns. Uh, the Yokohama crowd was just okay, but it's important to note that Yokohama Budokan is a place where other companies run their big shows, like their major events uh, often. Uh, Noah and Stardom and things have run big events at Yokohama Budokan, so it's hard to compare when it's just a, you know a, a, one of the tournament nights you know so most companies run major shows there's it, it is so it's a tough comparison and uh the 888 that showed up in fukushima was up from the new japan cup in march and the best since the tag league in 2019 nice. so that's way down overall from the good days of 2017 and 2018 when they drew almost 2000 regularly you lose people fast but growth is slow so yes uh, but so everything has been either around about what they usually do in that town or up a little bit so that can't be a bad deal right so, uh, yeah, and then uh, Dunson's mentioning, shouldn't New Japan run Budokan for a major show in 2024? Well, they could. They absolutely could. Uh, you know, they with Yokohama, they tend to run the Dome uh, when they have another night of Wrestle Kingdom. So uh, I think their ambitions are pretty high when it comes to that sometimes. But uh, Yokohama Arena, the big arena, uh, bigger than the Budokan, I think, is actually where uh, Stardom ran their big thing with mercedes Monet on top and they intend to do that again next year. Uh, and let's see, uh, three big shows on January 4th. As Colin mentions, uh, Wrestle Kingdom, Stardom, and uh, Tokyo uh, Joshi Pro. So, uh, hey, that whole time, Dream Queendom is on the 29th. 
Then they have another show on the fourth itself. Noah has a big show around that time. Just about everybody is, they're turning it into Happy a festival. Happy birthday to you this year, Stephen Conway. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be really exciting. I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head over to Dave's. Going to do that. and then. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I think I'm probably going to head over at like midnight. I probably mm -hmm. won't watch the Stardom show. Probably watch a little bit of Dynamite. There's going to be a ghost town roster with everybody over in Japan. Mm -hmm. And uh, watch the watch the Wrestle Kingdom. And in case you guys have not figured it out yet, we're going to do a live show after Wrestle Kingdom. We're going to talk about it. That it's day. it's Thursday. It's our regular slot. It works yeah, out. Yeah, it doesn't even. We might go a little earlier. You know, it might be an extra long <laughs> show, three hours, because you know mm -hmm. Wrestle Kingdom. Love talking about. <laughs> and here's one. Dunstan asks, in your opinions, what could New Japan do to make World Tag League feel more important? I mean, to do me, do it at you a know, different time of year where the outcome isn't quite so like an afterthought. Mm -hmm. And part of it is just the tag team scene right now is going through this big transition where we're getting a bunch of new teams, old teams have moved out. Uh, and so I think it, it is a little bit difficult because a lot of these teams. A lot of rookie teams uh, make for fresh matchups, but they don't have the uh, impact, perhaps, that uh, seeing the same teams that are established teams fight it out on top. And part of it is it, it, it does feel like a lot of teams are two guys from a faction that team up for World Tag League and then don't really and, – and they always team up in preview tags and things. But like Ishii and Yano isn't a – full-blown tag team the way Bishamon is, even though they're both from Chaos. But Bishamon feels like a tag team. And mm -hmm. Dangerous Techers felt like a tag team. But Taichi and Uemura are two really good singles wrestlers to team up. So I think if you had more consistent tag teams, that it would feel a little bit more like a deal rather than, here's a bunch of singles wrestlers that have said, here, you guy, you want to team up with me for a little bit? And, you know, so it doesn't have you know, the impact think, of these teams that you've seen win all year long facing each other. You know? I think you're, I think you're onto something on that. I think there's another aspect of it of like, okay, as much as Vandokan is interesting, right? Mm -hmm. How much of the wind was taken out of your sails when you realized it wasn't going to be Shingo and Yoda Suji, when, mm -hmm. which was kind of something that nobody promised us. But when you're looking at like the best rosters of all the different factions and they're like, Oh yeah, if we're gonna get Evil and Yudro, we should get Yoda Suji and uh Shingo. And that is that's a more logical like faction. So when you're not even like bringing the best of the tag teams that you possibly can in New Japan, and you're not actively fan servicing the people who watch potentially like strong or even like the people that you're on the come up and you're bringing other teams in, which is fine. Like Gates of Agony is fine. CMLO guys, of course, you want to bring those guys in, but they were also just guys. You know, mm -hmm. like there are there are pockets of the New Japan fandom that go crazy for the CML guys or when they bring in AEW. But it's just you're servicing different parts of it rather than the whole. So I don't know. Maybe maybe switch Super Junior Tag League and the World Tag League, and front-load the World Tag League, so it's a little bit more exciting in October going forward. This is just a really quiet, kind of like, oh, we got to re recoup, like get everyone recuperated, rest them up going into Wrestle Kingdom. We got a couple of shows in late December. This is, this is a fun tournament, full of story, but if you 
you pull the thread a little bit, it's definitely more of an afterthought than some of the stuff that they do throughout the year. And uh, Colin says, let's hope the yen strengthens so New Japan can start getting guys like Speedball and Leo Rush again. Yeah, I mean, that would be a big deal. Uh, that that economic factor has been a big one right there, a 30% drop. Dunson asks, do you think they could change the format of the tournament to a single elimination with actual teams in the tournament? Uh, yeah, it's not. It, it is something that they could do. I think they like making a tour out of it. Uh, so you can't get as many matches out of it. It's just the viability. I think New Japan likes getting a tour out of these. So I think business-wise, they're probably going to stick to that. They have the New Japan Cup, and that does work, but it, I don't know if that works as in the tag team format as well, and uh, it wouldn't give them a, a full tour out of it. So I, I doubt they're going to do that. I, I just think a signature, like this is a signature event aspect that the round robin is something that they are very, very good at. I just, I just feel like that, you know, instead of just having two singles guys teaming up once in a while, and, and Goto and Yoshihashi are singles wrestlers. They, they are, but they team really consistently with one another. Whereas sometimes Ishii's with Tanahashi, sometimes Ishii's with Yano. So it's, it doesn't feel like that, that unit, even though they've been in tag league before together. So, uh, and then Brad says, that's something I noticed on many Japanese companies is a very, this is a very good point. It's a little bit cultural, isn't it? They have a couple of actual teams, but most are faction members teaming up in a tag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a little bit more cultural there. And uh, you see, you know, stardom has some consistent teams like FWC and, uh, Mahime back in the day, and there are others. I'm not; those aren't all of them. Uh, but they they've done a good job of making certain pairs of wrestlers feel more tag teamy. Uh, and and so I when they meet, specialist to the phrase we need to bring back. There you go. Uh, so I I'm in love. I love. I I came up in the mid '80s when tag team yeah. wrestling was at its absolute peak with the Rock and Roll Express Midnight. A Express, great Bulldogs, tag team match is just. Like it's chef kiss. It's an incredible special yeah. when yeah. you're able because there are things that you cannot do in a singles match, much like there are things with a singles match you can't do in a tag match. You know, there's a give and take, but there can be amazing stuff in both and uh incredibly viable match, uh top level matches with both. Oh, and then Venkin says he'd rather see Hazuki singles a title run than FWC tag. I tell you what, FWC might be the best team in the world. They might be the best team All right. out there. Uh, when Kogan was healthy, she's uh, she wrestles on the level of the main event women in that company. Uh, let's take a look at the Young Lions. We had two new Young Lions, Jeremy. Uh, we had one we saw once, and then uh, one we've seen a few times. So let's mention that real quick. Uh, Katsuya Murashima. The both of these guys debuted on the Tokyo Dome or Tokyo Dome, the Korokan Hall shows, uh, <laughs> night one and night two of the tournament. The first night was Shoma Kato. He was the guy that was on the reality show produced by Kazuchika Okada, and uh, he lost to Oscar Loibe, and that was also Oscar Loibe's one-year anniversary of being in wrestling. He was uh, the debuter one year before that. Uh, Shomakato, unfortunately, got dinged up in that match and uh, hasn't been in the ring since, uh, so we hope that he heals quickly and gets back to it. And then the other one, Katsuya Murashima, he's the one that has an uh, amateur wrestling background. Uh, Kato was a baseball player uh, before. Uh, has been wrestling in openers, losing to Loy Bay and Nakashima and things. You can take some bruises. <laughs> yes, uh, definitely. And then they both did very basic stuff. These are their very first matches, uh, so the move set is very limited, and uh, they don't get a whole lot of offense in it yet. Uh, you, you remember how you know Loy Bay would just get the crap kicked out of him? Nakashima, of course, dislocated his elbow in his very first match. Uh, so this is tough times here, but uh, you know they've. There's no way to know what these guys are going to be yet, but uh, just news and notes. They're there now, and you know they're they're yeah. on the track. It's interesting to me though. Murashima gets a tiny bit more each match, meaning 
he went for four and a half minutes and got into Boston Crab and tapped immediately. Like, you know, <laughs> and then the next time he got a push up out of it, he tried to get out of it, got a push up, couldn't quite make it, tapped out. And it was about five minutes. The next time, about five and a half minutes, and he gets a little bit more of a push up and maybe a crawl a little bit toward the rope. So, incremental steps going on uh, a little bit more each match. But of course, they are doing jobs for the senior young lions now. That would be Loibe and Nakashima. And uh, Bolton has been mostly preview tags, and he ain't doing many jobs. So they're they're uh, really yeah, protecting they, that dude. I start the clock on Bolton, man. Like I think I think we're getting there with him. That they're they're feeling confident with him, and he is looking. He is looking beefy in that ring. Uh, I'm very excited. Well, before we wrap it up, Dustin has a question here. Uh, do you think the heavyweight tag belts are missing an impactful story like Dangerous Techers versus Golden Aces? Yes. That is one thing that has been an issue right there is that there usually isn't a story. There's just a team that wants to challenge for the titles, and there's the champions. Bishamon is their safety blanket. You know, Ghetto has a safety blanket. So I mentioned, you know, like Okada is one of them, where it's like if, if everything's going wrong, just put the world title on Okada and it makes sense. Bishamon can always be a viable contender or champion for the tag team titles. I think they had a lot in mind for Aussie Open, but then there yeah. was the signing and the injury. And I think there was there were going to be long-term stories around Aussie Open as the World Tag Team Champions or the Challengers, too. They unceremonically uh, vacated the titles at a strong show. <laughs> yeah. And so, yes, I think that is a big deal as well. And uh, since then, they've kind of been trying to find a new set of teams. And they might be on to it. We might, some of these teams might be what they've been looking for. Uh, it's a little bit too early to tell, but that's a very good point is that they haven't really had that coherence. And if they can put together a tag team storyline, then that would help. And it could very well be the TMDK is the answer to that. That is a consistent team that has a brand as a tag team. And then, you know, Bishamon, a team that has a brand as a tag team, make a couple more of those and you can have those storylines long-term that they've been missing since Aussie Open left. Yeah, I agree and, with you on all points. Yeah, and uh, Brad mentions too, it's amazing how Yoshihashi went from the joke of chaos to the safety blanket for the tag team titles. I love that for him. Been a big difference in how Yoshihashi is perceived, uh, yeah, as uh, the little brother of chaos that uh, he went didn't from, feel uh, like. He went from getting a concussion on the mat to giving concussions on the mat. <laughs> but now he is absolutely part of that picture, and now no one thinks twice about Bishamon being in uh, – a main event of a Cork and Hall show or, or somewhere else uh, in a title match. You know, you, you don't, you don't have any problem with Yoshihashi being in a main event. That wasn't true uh, just a few years ago. Very, very good point. We did it, Steven. We did do it. And so we will be watching six shows coming this week here. So uh, there will be uh, almost every single uh, morning, a brand new set of new Japan matches to watch. We will go over all of it. We're going to analyze the block results. We're going to take a look at the semifinals and finals going forward. It should be a lot of fun next week. And like I said, we're going to be taking a look at Naito through the years at Wrestle Kingdom and a lot more on our way to the Tokyo Dome. Anything you wanted to add before we sign off? 90 minutes, all New Japan talk next Thursday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Guys, thank you so much for interacting with us. Thank you very much uh, for joining in. Uh, Sam, don't forget, Power Bombshells, 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time on Sundays, our sibling show here on uh, the Fight Game Media. Sam, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Sam. 
Hey, yes, absolutely. That's right. And I uh, hope she's uh, feeling better and uh, ready to go. And uh, Colin, Dunstan, Brad, Sam, uh, Venkin, uh, everybody that watches here either live or later listens to the podcast. Remember to like and subscribe. Yeah. Uh, rate put, us and give us a everywhere. review. Like, I, I'm yeah. bored for appreciation. So uh, <laughs> I'd make cookies for my friend. I might send you a cookie. <laughs> Who doesn't love cookies? No, but uh, we we appreciate your support. And uh, tell a friend if you've got a New Japan Curious fan uh, friend, uh, by all means, uh, word of mouth can do wonders for us as well. So uh, any help is appreciated. And we're very grateful uh, to all of you who are joining us. So ready to wrap it up, Jeremy? Uh, Take it on, buddy. For Jeremy Feinstone, I'm Stephen Conway. Thank you for watching and listening to Speaking of Strong Style. We will talk to you again very soon.